really organically, really like spontaneously. It's not just going in there and making a noise, folks. <laughs> the Classic Rock Files with Kelly Parker and Mike Young. Hi, Mike. Oh, hi, Kelly. You know what? Uh, we're so used to getting bad news. This, I think, is good news. Good thinking by the Queen boys. Uh, Roger Taylor was in an interview. He said a sequel to the biopic Bohemian Rhapsody, unlikely to happen. Good call, I say. I completely agree. Yeah. My initial question when I'm hearing Roger Taylor talking about there being no sequel was, who keeps asking him about a sequel? <laughs> I mean, the movie was very successful. Highest grossing biopic of all time. Yes. Uh, came out back in 2018. A great movie. If you haven't seen it, make a plan to do so. Sure. Um, but it's a biopic. This isn't the <laughs> new Avengers movie. <laughs> I guess. We can't just invent a new story and be like, you know, I'd love to take this Freddie Mercury character in this direction. Well, look, you've got reporters who don't have new music to ask about, and there's nothing else going on in the world. They have to ask something. So I understand that. It's still a terrible question. He said, look, I have to say no about a Bohemian Rhapsody sequel. I really do think we need to sit back for a year or two and look at things and see if that's a believable or credible thing to do. The movie was a great hit. We were delighted, obviously. But but I think I don't want to be seen as cashing in again. I'd have to have a very, very good script and scenario to make that work. Right now, I can't think of a way of doing the sequel. Now, he said, if somebody comes up with a genius plan, maybe we think about it. Right now, we're just very happy with what the movie did. So many sequels that don't match up to the original one. That's my one and only argument on this one, is it was so great, just leave it there. Brian May said a couple of months ago, he said, look, we've talked and we think at the moment, no, things could change. But he said, look, if they did a sequel, Sequel, it would have to focus on Freddie's battle with AIDS, which the first movie kind of went right up to, right? He was diagnosed in 87. He battled in private with only a few select friends. Okay, so I don't think, Brian May said, that would be an uplifting thing to do. I'm not saying it's impossible, because there is a great story there, but we don't feel that's the story we want to tell at the moment. So there's still a possibility that they might do this, and that would be the storyline to your Avengers argument. I think... In that case, they're not in control of that narrative. That's not their story to tell anymore, so they don't get to decide how to tell the Freddie Mercury AIDS story. Ooh. That's up to his family and those closest to him, because like you said, he battled in private. Now, yes. there was These Are the Days of Our Lives, which is the music video, the last one he ever filmed, where you can really see the illness on him in person. So obviously there was some interaction with the band during that period, but if you're telling the private story of Freddie Mercury's private battle with AIDS, I don't think Brian May or Roger Taylor get a say on whether that story is told or how it is told. No, not at all. But if Freddie's family were involved and they had a say in it, and it involved Roger and Brian. I can see it happening that way, but it certainly couldn't be spearheaded by them. No. Although the way 2020 is headed at this point... <laughs> Don't bring 2020 into It's possible <laughs> the dead start rising from the graves. Freddy, uh, Freddy is back. Yeah. And then we have a sequel. Well, sure. This well, is Freddy Part 2, The Revenge. No, that would be the third movie. Oh, wasn't that a Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Yeah. <laughs> Freddy's Revenge? You'd have both. you got to keep them straight now. It's sort of like Star Wars. you got to keep them chronological or people get confused you'd start with bohemian rhapsody then you would have the family telling freddie's story then you would have part three if you were to be so freddie's, crass. freddie's revenge freddie's revenge although yeah. if the dead start rising from the grave we got bigger problems than a third queen movie at that well, point yeah, it's going to close down the theaters again Yeah, exactly so we want to be able to watch it wow. what is the point wow that took a turn. Okay, carrying on here. Uh, speaking of Queen, the Lonely Ones, formed by four members of one of your favorite bands, Bobaflex, 
Boba Flex? Boba Flex. It's Boba Flex. It's like Boba, Boba Fett from Star Wars. I know, but I've always called him Boba Fett, so maybe that's wrong. Well, I can't help you. <laughs> okay. You're In too far case, gone at this point. <laughs> not, neither of us had ever heard of this band a couple of weeks ago. Now we've talked about them twice. Here's the point. They've done a cover of Queen's The Flash Movie soundtrack. It's Flash and the Hero. That's a double cover? A Two double, songs for the price of one? The rare double cover. And what a choice. You know, we always see songs covered. We just heard from Seven Dust the other day with sound gardens the day i tried to live you know you have these iconic songs by bands that people often go to and cover yeah so what a treat to get flash from queen covered mm -hmm. by this band called the lonely ones and i listened to this this morning the harmonies are outstanding like you, you could swear this is queen performing it yeah absolutely they nail it I also didn't like that song when it first came out. I thought that was a bad idea. As long as we're talking about Queen and bad ideas, didn't like it at the beginning. The idea of them doing the soundtrack to Flash Gordon? No, that was a fine idea. It's just that, that the Flash, ah, and then that doom, 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 doom. With it the just little didn't, dialogue in the background? Yeah, it didn't get me. Didn't it get did me. Uh, get a little resurgence recently. I forget what company. Maybe it was TELUS. They did a commercial with that Flash. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, first of all, that's both of us that have done now an impression of We're the allowed. Song. This is our show. <laughs> what happened? So why did they do this? Well, they said, we recorded Flash in 2019, a pretty dark year for the four of us on all fronts. As we know, Boba Fett went through uh, some tough times. We we heard of them two weeks ago. Our original musical output reflected that darkness, so recording a cartoonish, triumphant, heroic cover song seemed like a good counterbalance says, fast forward to spring 2020, the impending stay-at-home order. With limited time and help from some fans, we got our friends together to film a video while we are still able. It's July now, and with the future more unclear than ever, or one might say less clear than ever, it seems like the perfect time to release the most positive song we have. I dig. Keep doing rare, elusive songs, bands out there. I want to hear more different covers. Well spoken. Experiment. Get crazy. Okay, finally here, would you say that it's fair to say that... Um, we tend to pile on the boys in the Eagles and Don Henley and formerly Glenn Fry, just kind of about the way they run the band. Would I say we do it unfairly or we just do it in general? We, I think that's become kind of our default. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles have long been associated with the term cash grab yeah. and, you know, in it for the money. They're sure. literally the definition of in it for the money when you talk to the average person. Yeah. They've led the way on high ticket prices, et cetera. Have you read Don Felder's book? I, I hate reading. <laughs> that's not a it's probably there's an audio version probably oh that's nice does he read it himself i don't know i i read it myself because i'm literate could you read it to me no i will not <laughs> do that either but i mean it's just a wine fest he complains about everything and he blames everything on everybody else but he talks about the two guys glenn fry and don henley running the band with an iron fist and so i think that's where part of it comes from well Stuart smith has been a key member of the Eagles since replacing Don Felder when they finally kicked his ass out of the band. But hardly anybody knows him, and he himself says, I'm not an Eagle. Said that in the History of the Eagles documentary. But he's actually credited on five songs, records with the band, he co-writes them. He's shared producing duties on Long Road Out of Eden, which is already 13 years ago. He's fine with it, because those are the terms of the deal he made with Don Henley. It's an interesting discussion to have 
What makes a person an official member of a band? By the way, the reason he hasn't joined is because he doesn't want to. He gets credit for producing, he gets songwriting credit, so he gets the money, and I guess he's a paid sideman for the live shows, which a lot of people are. Rick Wright for Pink Floyd was after he got fired during the making of The Wall. So he does get a lot of money, he's just never been officially inducted into the band, and he says that's fine because he doesn't want that kind of fame, he doesn't want that kind of profile. So there's that case, but again, this question you bring up, what makes a person a member of of a band. And we go to probably one of the prime examples. Daryl Jones, bass player for the Rolling Stones since 1994. And he has been with the band since they did the Bridges to Babylon album in 1994, all the way up until the most recent song they just released, Living in a Ghost Town, which we heard a couple of months ago from the band. He is not considered an official member of the band. The band, of course, whenever they're positioned, is the four guys. Ronnie Wood, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Charlie Watts. Mm -hmm. They're in all the promotional photos. They're the Rolling Stones, despite the fact that this guy's been in the band over 25 years at this point. Mm -hmm. And contributes in studio, contributes on every live show that they do, and has openly said, and this kind of almost a bit of a heartbreaking quote, he said, quote, I think most musicians, somewhere deep down inside, even if they are sidemen or if they're hired players, there's a desire to be in a band, and I would not be being completely honest if I said that it would not be wonderful, it would not be amazing to be considered and, you know, jump into this organization as a full member, but that is not a decision I am in a position to make. Mm -hmm. So, the opposite of the Eagles in this case, where he really wants to be a member of this band and for some reason just doesn't get the tag and the call, hey, you can join us in these promotional photos. You've been with us this long. I mean, it took 10 years for Ronnie Wood to become an official member yeah. of the Rolling Stones Absolutely. when he, he took over. But then you've got the other end of the scale with Metallica and Rob Trujillo, yeah. who's just like, here, here's a check for a million bucks. You're in. Good audition. And that's the way it should be. You know, Metallica could have easily gone ahead with, with uh, Jason Newstead leaving the band and said, like, okay, in promotion, we're just going to be the three of us, Kirk, Lars, and James. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's a bass player, wow. as in Daryl Jones, right? You yeah. Know, we don't necessarily need this guy in our images. We could just be the three of us, and then he can join us on stage when we play. But they didn't. They said right from the get-go, from second one of signing with this band, you are an equal partner in this, 25% share all the way, here's a million bucks, join us on this journey together. Maybe the difference is, I mean, if you go and see Metallica, it's four guys on stage, on a massive stage. If it was three original guys plus another guy that you kind of know, but if you take a band like the Eagles, like there's seven, eight people on stage, just tons of people on stage, they've just decided, you know what, we'll stick with the OGs and not make these other people official members of the band. Maybe that's part of it. Literally the optics of it. I guess it's going to be different for every single band. I don't agree with it. If someone's contributing to your band, they should be considered a member of said band. If you don't want to do it right away, I mean, with sure, one album, one touring cycle, make sure everything fits into place here. Mm -hmm. And then this is your tryout. You've succeeded. You're in now. Doesn't have to be some exclusive club that you have to play with a group for 40 years to get into. But I was also be there say, from the beginning. Maybe the threshold should be as soon as you start writing new music with them. But I mean, the Eagles' early stuff was written by J.D. Souther, who was just a songwriter. He was never a part of the band. Robert Hunter, who passed away last year. Exactly. The Grateful Dead, their lyricist. Yes, exactly. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with them, but he wasn't like on stage with them. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a whole other kettle of wax. So, so these people get paid, though, for their work, and they get paid pretty well for their work. So what would be the threshold for you? Are you like an, if you're playing with the band, you should be a member of the band guy, or are there some criterion? I think, you can go back to Daryl Jones, that there's no reason why he should be being kept out of the band at this point, other than to keep him from getting shares of the money. He's being paid as a salaried musician. Tap the brake. Are you saying money might have something to do with this? I think money has everything to do with it. <laughs> 
these four guys aren't willing to give up their 25% cut each or whatever they get. I mean, Daryl Jones has paid a salary yeah. to perform with them on tour and be there in the studio, whatever the case is. He's paid a salary. Mm-hmm. Stuart uh, Smith from the Eagles paid a salary. He's a salaried musician. Whereas Robert Trujillo, he was said, here's a million bucks advance. Yeah. You're, you're in now. There were five and now there's four. So our shares just got bigger. You had to replace Bill Wyman. Yeah. So there, there was a share there. And you yeah. just removed it. You didn't. You could have just given that share to somebody else, but you didn't. You just inherited it to the four of you and said, "Now eh, we'll just pay this guy's salary, you know? Yeah, but then they also had Chuck Level, who was the keyboard player. They had uh, Bobby Keys, who was the sax player at the time. They even had Ian Stewart, member of the Stones, right from the very beginning. They actually kicked him out, but he remained a member on tour yeah. and in the studio. So he was a member of the band, but he wasn't a member of the band. Maybe the Stones is a bad example. Well, I think they're a bad example of how to nicely run a band together. <laughs> you know, be friends and be nice, you know. So I'm sure they pay well. I'm sure Daryl's happy sure. with what he's being paid, etc. But it would be nice, a nice gesture, especially to someone who's openly said in interviews yeah. that this would mean a lot to me, guys, sure. if I could be a part of this band officially and stand together with you in one photo. Yeah. Give it a couple more years and I will have been in the band for longer than Bill Wyman. How about then? It's uh, it's crazy, you know, so it's uh, it's just interesting what each band will do. I mean, obviously, it's their own decision, but it's nice to highlight those people that aren't on the promotional posters and just say, hey, we're contributing to this thing here. Green Day comes to town and all of a sudden when they play these songs from American Idiot and 20th Century Breakdown, there's another guitarist that comes out to play. Yeah. No one knows who he is. No. But they can't play these songs live without him, so at least give the guy a, Throw picture, a bone. picture with Billy Joel there you go. in the paper or something. That is the Classic Rock Files, 94.3 The Drive Music Director, Mike Young. Thank you. Thank you.